Uh, well, we've come into a really interesting uh, season of time, and I just want to make sure we're all comprehending something together. It's really quite fascinating to me as, um, as I'm evaluating the conversations that we're stepping into and how the Lord's been setting us up for this for a long time. Tracy and I uh, felt like maybe a year ago that this was, you know, so new. Like we're, you know, what what do we do with this? What the Lord's starting to reveal, and what we're finding out now about a year later is God's been having this conversation all over the place. There are so many people that have stepped into a movement that is um, resembling what we're talking about when it comes to the table, and um, really stepping into that revelation. So you'll see. Uh, for those of you in the room, there are tables set among us in the congregational family. We, we chose not to do a, a prop on the platform because, in essence, that violates the very essence of what it is we're trying to communicate. If you're online, just glance over at your kitchen uh, and you'll see your table right now and you'll uh, get the picture of what we're talking about. This is about all of us in a normal setting uh, having an experience, a relational experience that really begins to uh, be used mightily in the hand of God. And I think that's the thing that's so profoundly significant that we would understand that which is overlooked and undervalued tends to be that which God gathers together and uses mightily for his purposes. How many of you are glad, even though maybe you have felt overlooked and undervalued, God still has a wonderful plan for your life? Aren't you thankful for that? I'm so grateful for that. And that's why I think today is really important as we kind of launch into this and we start to get an understanding. Today I want to talk about the message of Christ, which we would all uh, have a good feel for what the message of Christ is, but I want to talk about the addendum to that, the message of Christ and the method of Jesus. And it's really significant that we understand it is ineffective to embrace the message of Jesus, yet abandon his method of delivering it. So the message is vital, it's sacred, it's central. But it's not just about the message, it's about the method. Because we can take the message and express it in a lot of different ways that really uh, wind up being more about mass production when God's more about personal cultivation. And I, I want to challenge you in this thinking because this is, um, is going to place a demand on us. There's going to be a requirement that the Lord is going to ask from us uh, on this particular journey. So I want you to think in those terms right up front. Uh, but there's going to have to be a disruption to some of our cultural ideology that exists in the way we think about the message of Christ that has not embraced the method of Jesus and his ways. Uh, there's just Christianity is more than uh, believing in the writings of Scripture. It's about embracing the ways of the Savior. We all together on this, like understanding why Jesus did what Jesus did, how he thought about what he did, why the table was so important to him personally as a person, not just as God, but as a person. And I want to kind of point to some of that today as we get that picture. But I want to just give you the kind of the big challenge to what we're talking about. And it's a quote by a guy named Brennan Manning. He said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world Think about what he's referencing. The greatest reason people don't believe in God 
The greatest single cause of atheism in the world is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door denying him with their lifestyles. That is what an unbelieving world finds to be unbelievable. So it's very challenging when we really stop and think about it, but we're all uh, very familiar with this statement. Maybe you can help finish the phrase, actions speak louder than words. So it's not that words are not important, it's just that actions speak louder than words. And if we're focusing on the words of the gospel without the action of Jesus, then there's a real uh, vacuum that exists in the message that we're sharing with the world around us. So the hospitality of Jesus and the table of the Lord, these are really important. I thought about this. Um, I was being a, uh, a, you know, my, my, I try to be a good husband to my wife. And, and so we're on this trip and we're driving down the highway and um, a couple of the girls in the car needed to have a bathroom break. And so we're driving along and it starts pouring down rain, which really uh, only increases the need for a bathroom break, if you know what I mean. The rain is just splashing down and it's like pouring sheets. It is, we are in a wall of rain, so much so that everybody on the highway slowed down now. They've put their hazards on. And I mean, you can barely see in front of you. That's the downpour that we were in. So I found an exit, made my way off, and it is still pouring down. And so I did, you know, what a good husband would do. I pulled right up to the front door of this convenience store that we were stopping at. And, uh, and I even pulled up, you know, where I shouldn't be. And as I pulled up, I'm about 10 feet from the door. And Tracy and Lexi, they hop out of the car and run. And I can hear them squealing because the rain is just pouring so hard on them. And so then I back up and wait. And uh, Faith and I are in the car just talking. And then there's, there's Tracy and Lexi. They emerge. And so I pull back up about 10 feet from the, the door. And there's another lady there. And she's waiting for her husband to come pull his car up, I'm assuming. And so, you know, she's just standing there watching this transaction take place. And so I pull up there and I look at Tracy and I do this. And this is, if you don't know sign language, I'll explain what it, what it means. But this is what it means. This, uh, I did that. It means, come on, get in the car. You got 10 feet of rain. And so, come on, get in the car. And then I did this. And I'll explain in case you don't know sign language. It's going to be okay. Uh, you're going to get wet, but it's all good. Come on. You're good. And so I'm coaching. I'm encouraging. And like I pulled up right by the door. How many of you know I passed the husband test, in my opinion, in that moment right there? I'd done everything. I encouraged. And, and then, and then I, as she got in the car and they ran and jumped in, they looked like they had jumped in a swimming pool. They were sitting with water all over the seat. I mean, they were drenched. And I, I was looking at them, and I thought, wow, it's really raining out there. You know, you really had to go through a lot of rain. And I'm, I'm sitting there, no kidding, the lady that had been standing there by my wife, still remaining there under the awning, when her husband pulls up, he pulls up, and he looks over at me and opens the door and gets out with an umbrella. Coolly, he walks up and puts the umbrella over his wife, escorts her to the passenger side of the car, puts her in, walks around under the umbrella back to his car, looks at me again, and gets in the car. And I think to myself, you jerk. 
<laughs> I mean, honestly, I felt like I had provided a measure of hospitality that I thought might even result in a kissy face reward. I mean, I was like, come on, thumbs up. And then he goes and does that. Like, my level of hospitality all of a sudden was revealed for what it was way low. His was way high. And I want you to think in these terms because hospitality in our mind is something that is lacking in comparison to the hospitality of Jesus. And it's really profound because what we've made this out to be at best is dazzling entertainment for somebody that might come into our home. We want our house to look stellar. We want our food to have presentation. And we focus so much on the entertainment value of, of the table that we've lost the ministry value of the table. And I'm speaking not only in our personal homes, but here we are in church. And I think the Lord's trying to get us to understand the things that really matter are actually the things that we've overlooked and undervalued in many respects. And we're on this journey together to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate this in our lives that we might be more effective at doing what he's called us to do. So I really believe the Holy Spirit is going to help us with this. He's going to disrupt some of our cultural ideology that holds us captive to um, you know, the perspective of hospitality that's actually lacking in comparison to what he's desiring to reveal. I think it's important for us to recognize and understand Jesus teaches that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is this tiny little seed. And I think we can derive from that particular analogy that bigger is not always better, especially when it comes to spiritual development of the next generation. They don't need mass production. They need relational cultivation, really engaging heart-to-heart -heart that we might make that connection relationally. And Jesus demonstrated this incredibly, incredibly well. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. Now, how many of you think that they had heard about love before Jesus came? I mean, this, this was not a, a new idea of experiencing love and God being there, but he's bringing a whole new revelation of what this is all about. A new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. What you've experienced from me, I want you to express that into the lives of those around you. How many of you are so thankful that Jesus uh, came into your heart when you responded to him? If you've given your life to Christ, it was a real personal experience, right? It wasn't a, a mass religious response. It was a personal encounter with God Almighty. He knows you intimately and ministered to you personally and began to transform you powerfully. Can I get an amen? I am so thankful for how much the Lord is interested in our lives individually. And this is what he's saying. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. My love will mark your life. You'll be marked by God by the way you love if you love one another. So I want you to think about this final conversation Jesus is having with the disciples right before his death. And it happened, it's a famous portrait, right? We, we see this portrait and there they are seated at a table. 
And so all these ministry settings where we see Jesus in such a powerful way so many times are centered around a meal, relationship, fellowship, connection, communication. They're centered around the table. And I think it's interesting. When Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what his death was all about, he didn't give them an informative lecture. He gave them a relational meal. So this really ties in a lot, in a lot of ways. And um, Jesus is the master at converting that which is mundane into something really, really meaningful. I mean, something so practical as the place that you just have a common meal becomes a powerful place of exchange. I, I think about Brad and Stacy and all the times they've shared with the different people that they've had living in their home. And I mean, just their heart to help. And it's on a personal level of inviting somebody in to the heart of their home that has made such an impact in so many of these individuals' lives. You may or may not have been uh, here when we first started this service, but Chris Goodson got up and he shared, um, he, he basically shared what three people have in common. Professionals that are just on this journey of life, inmates that are uh, gang leaders, and a, uh, a voodoo priest in, where was it? Haiti, a voodoo priest in Haiti. What do those three people have in common? In his experience in his life, all three of those people, when he was in prison, he invited these heads of gangs, these gang leaders, to actually just sit down at a meal. He didn't know what to say to them, so he just invited them, hey, let's eat together. And out of that relational time, so much happened in those individuals' lives, and their hearts would be melted, and God began to show up. The, the couple, uh, they invited into a home, the Martinez and the Goodsons, they invited this couple in, and the, and the couple surrendered their lives to Christ in a moment of relational encounter with God and God's family. And the, the, the priest, the, the voodoo priest in Haiti on, on his trip, he didn't know what to say to somebody that's off in this type of, of way of thinking. And so all he did, rather than trying to preach a nice message, was invite them to sit down at a table. And at the table, God began to do a work. And I'm just saying to you, the season that we have come into as a church is a season where God wants to do something supernatural in the mundane space of our homes, in the heart of our table. It's going to require something of us. Jesus is the master at taking that which is mundane and turning it into something meaningful, but it's going to require us not just to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus, but make some sacrifices of our own. When we do this, it's really wild because the table becomes an altar and our lives become the offering and God then starts to show up in a powerful, wonderful way. In a society that's grown so relationally disconnected. How many of you know we are in a society that's very relationally disconnected? We're social media uh, connected, but that's a virtual relationship. And in most respects, in fact, the, the statistics, especially through COVID and everything that's happened, all this research and all these studies are emerging now. And we are in uh, the most disconnected era of society that we have ever known. Disconnection is rampant, like true relational disconnection has taken place. And what we have to understand that in a relationally disconnected society, biblical hospitality becomes one of the most compelling and irresistible aspects of Christianity known to mankind. 
So I'm not asking anybody to embrace my idea of the table. I'm journeying on this, and I'm trying to figure this out, and next week I want to give some practical ideas of what this looks like in whatever your context of life is. Even some coaching tips of how to make the most of that type of gathering around the table. I'm not asking you to uh, embrace my idea of the table. I'm asking that we together would ask the Lord to help us embrace his idea of the table. How many of you know the idea he has is what really matters? I know this can be challenging. Uh, some people, this is not that big of a deal. Sure, we'll invite someone home. Other people, they're like, yeah, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about having anybody at my house. You don't know what my house looks like. My table's not very big. I mean, you have all kinds of uh, reasons why. I had somebody this morning, actually, out of the first service tell me they've been kind of processing all of the table conversations that we've been having and she'd actually grown very discouraged because her husband is not a believer and so her conclusion was this is a beautiful thing for the church to experience but because my husband's not a believer I'm not going to be able to experience this I'm not going to be able to do this he's not going to understand and she said you know what I realized was the enemy was just trying to talk me out of participating in what God's desiring to reveal and I've actually now talked to my husband and he doesn't mind he's going to be at work during the day I'm going to have my table at lunchtime with people that I just want to invite in and experience the presence of the Lord now there are lots of expressions of the table and we're going to be nailing this down where there are some people that are literally going to be pastoring the destiny table out of their home but the revelation of the table is about to transform transform our lives in a number of ways. It's going to impact our community groups. It's going to impact the way we gather like this. I was just sharing with Tracy just the idea of what it is to personally encounter God and personally encounter others is already shaping my thinking in how I'm interacting with people that I'm with just routinely. I found myself being less disconnected in conversation and more engaged just trying to figure out what's God doing in this moment that I've just many times not even paid a bit of attention to. Anybody here relate to not paying attention to what God might be doing in a moment of your own busyness? Can I just see confession is good for the soul? I mean, this is the society that we live in. We're fast here. We're fast there. We're racing to this. We've got this to accomplish. And sometimes the Lord's just saying, I want to make you, make you lie down. I want to make you slow. I want to pull the reins and know that you're going to respond. Be led by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, the Bible says. We don't want to run ahead. We don't want to lag behind. But probably our greatest problem in our society is running ahead. And this is going to require some disruption of our cultural ideology so that we then can embrace a biblical theology that kind of defines how we should be looking at all this altogether. And as complicated as it may be, I, I, want, to, I want to just challenge you in this. Tracy and I had uh, the table with some friends this last week. And as we were there uh, after the meal, we were just talking. And, and, and I just said, hey, let's just take some time to listen and pray. And it was just cool thing to do where we just don't, you know, like, okay, well, I'm, I'm the pastor, I'm going to pray, and here's my package, you know, 
This is how we did. No, let's just listen together because it's really, he's the pastor. We're trying, to, we're trying to get under the mantle of the leadership of the Lord, right? That's the goal in this. And so as we just began to pray, we all were, I, we knew this couple's going through uh, some pretty big challenges. And, and, and as we began to pray, I prayed this prayer and I've been reflecting on it ever since, just thinking about, Lord, help us not to bypass the challenges that we face in this temporal life that are opportunities that won't exist in eternal life. I mean, if you know God's going to be caring for us in eternity in a different set of circumstances than exist in a fallen world. Aren't you glad one glad morning when this life is o'er, we'll all fly away, right? Aren't you glad for that? Like, it's good to be glad that one day we're going to be in heaven. But what I want you to understand is in this temporal part of our assignment, in this temporal world that exists in this season of our assignment, we have challenges that come our way that will not exist in eternity. Therefore, they are opportunities we will not have in the future. And those struggles actually produce strength to make us more who we're going to be in eternity if we'll cooperate with what God is doing in that moment. And I began to pray about that. I just thought about the table and how easy for us to, in a sense, dismiss this and not really deal with the challenge, but I want to say engage in this challenge. Step into this challenge. Ask the Lord to do a work in you during this time in a way that we won't have that opportunity later. It's, it's the same thing in this regard when it comes to our giving. Because we worship the Lord. When we increase, we worship the Lord with our tithes and with our offer. How many know in eternity, the streets will be of gold and we won't have the opportunity to, to tithe on our increase. We have that opportunity now in our temporal assignment of the world. I want to encourage you, if you don't know what it is to worship the Lord with your tithe and with your offering, step into that struggle so it can produce in you strength while you're in this temporal space of life before you get into eternity. And the same thing when it comes to this whole issue of the table, allowing maybe a complicated uh, feeling idea that really is simple. Allowing the Lord just to do that work in you because the table is an important part of God's divine plan. I want you to, to just journey with me for a moment, not on Jesus the way we normally think of him. The man in ministry is, you know, three years of ministry. That's where we tend to focus on. We read the stories. But I want you to think about the boy Jesus before he became a man. Because it was God's, it was the Father's divine plan that Jesus, the boy, grow up in the tradition of the Jewish home that has a strong legacy of the table. In other words, the Father set it up so that Jesus would grow up sitting at the table, receiving eye contact from his parents giving instruction and direction, intentional time with their family. He would hear Joseph pray. He would hear Joseph talk about the Word of God and Scripture. He would hear the stories of the faithfulness of God. The boy Jesus grew up understanding that the table was a central part of family and faith community. Jesus experienced that growing up. Before Jesus ever 
blessed the bread on the side of the mountain to feed the 5,000. He broke bread with his parents in their home as a child. And that's an important element that actually puts some of the pieces of this puzzle together in a remarkable way. In fact, before Jesus experienced the table as a boy, he had a frame of reference of the table. He was born in Bethlehem. That means house of bread. Back in the days of the wilderness that we read about in the Old Testament, in Old Testament, manna came down from heaven. And the Bible says Jesus is the bread that came down from heaven. The table and the altar are eternally connected, and it is vitally important that we understand the culture that Jesus grew up in that perpetuated the table was all part of the Father's master plan, and there's something in this season of the church for us to comprehend and understand as we step into a deeper revelation of what God is desiring to say. A shared meal is the most basic expression of hospitality. And this really could be the activity most closely tied to the reality of God's kingdom. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. And I want us just to be together at the table of the Lord. You know, I've shared this uh, before, and I think it's going to be very central to where we're going as we start to understand what ministry is all about. There's a study that I uh, heard a guy referencing one time, and they did a, a research on what the three most favorite phrases are people love to hear. Many of you have heard me say this, and it's a very memorable thing, but how much more significant is it in a season of the table for us to get this? The first phrase that people love to hear, not just in the U.S., this is nations of the world, the first phrase is, I love you. I love you. Just tell somebody you're sitting next to. Go ahead, give them some I love you. Just say, I love you. The second phrase people love to hear is, you're forgiven. You might need to tell your neighbor. You made me mad this morning. I forgive you. <clears throat> I love you. You're forgiven. And the third most favorite phrase people love to hear is, let's eat. Let's eat. I love you, you're forgiven, let's eat. And I want you to think about this. For God so loved the world, first and foremost, he said, I love you. That he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and forgive us our sins, you're forgiven. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, if anyone hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him. And he with me. Let's eat. I love you. You're forgiven. Let's eat. This is the definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the definition of our ministry. It's reaching out saying, I love you to the people around us. Celebrating in our own hearts and lives that there's grace and forgiveness that comes from God. And participating in a meal around a table. Just seeing what the Lord might do. And maybe, you know, if we invite Jesus into that table, some really powerful transformational things can really begin to happen. And we're starting to see this. And I just encourage you, don't miss out on what the Lord is doing in this season right there in your home.
You don't have to get somebody talked into coming to church to hear that week's speaker in order for them to experience the presence of God. Do you understand? You be the church everywhere you go. The power of your table, your conversation, your relationship. I've had some people ask some different questions as we're looking into this and they're, you know, I've had people say, Pastor, are we going to stop having community group meetings? No. I've had people say, my own mom asked me, son, we're not going to stop coming to church, are we? (laughs) No, mom. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. There's something significant about our gathering that's an important part of what God's called us to do as a family. It's just that we're starting to understand that this is more of a secondary family when we gather together where there needs to be primary family units that are part of this. This is like our our broader family gathering together at what God is doing and celebrating. Rather than coming in here trying to get revved up to go out and just be encouraged for the next week, we really ought to come in and all of our worship set is about celebrating what God's been doing in your life all week. Because we're the sons and daughters of God in the earth. We carry the mantle of a risen king, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There is fire in our eyes. There is weight in our words. There is substance in our soul. Where we go in conversations we have actually have an impact. You don't just need to hear an anointed sermon. You need to carry the anointing as the word of the Lord carries us everywhere we go. Nobody on this platform can say anything of a message that is not a reality that we as Christians shouldn't be able to embody. And we focus so much on the writings of Scripture, neglecting the ways of the Savior, that the message of Christ has been lacking the method of Jesus in the way we're sharing this with the world around us. So once you stand, I want to issue you a challenge today. It's been exciting. A lot of people are starting to really just pick up on this pretty immediately. In fact, it's been a little bit challenging just in how to manage, wow, what's what's happening here? Like a lot of people are starting to immediately uh, thrust forward with this. And what what we want to do is just cooperate with what God is doing. So here's your challenge. This is for all of us in the church family, different people, different places with this right now. But I want to ask you just to begin praying about who God might uh, be asking you to invite to the table in your home. I'm not asking you to invite anybody yet. Some of you may be already doing that, and that's fine. But what I am asking, if you've not done that yet, just at least start with me here and begin to pray about who is it? My neighbors, my coworkers, somebody that I know, who is it? As you begin to pray about who to invite into a table conversation. Next week, I'm gonna take some time with more of a coaching conversation of really how to effectively 
initiate this where it's more than just sitting down and having food to eat, but how do we get to a a space of meaningful conversation? We'll talk a little bit about that next week, and I'll give you some how-to things. Just as I was praying, I felt like the Lord was saying this this morning, He wanted to pull back some layers and disrupt some of our thinking, and then next week, we'll solidify some of that thinking so we can actually put feet to all of this. But this week, I want to ask you just to begin to pray about who it is that God might be putting on your heart, and just pay attention to the grace of God in the conversations you begin to have. You know, there's a grace when God is at work in a relationship. There's a grace that exists there that you just sense a, 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 a deeper entrance in that interaction. And many times that's how God maneuvers us into place of accomplishing what he's called us to accomplish. Come on, let's just respond to him just in your own heart. Just position yourself in availability to what he's desiring to do. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge your love is what transforms our lives. And it begins first and foremost as we recognize and acknowledge that you are the Savior of the world, that you came, you lived, you died, you're risen from the grave, you're alive. You're not only the Savior of the world, but you're available to our response. to all that you have done when we believe in our heart and we confess in our mouth with our mouth that Jesus is Lord a spiritual transaction takes place in our lives so we want to just take a moment with that reality with that revelation we want to acknowledge Jesus you're who you say you are come on if you're in agreement with that just a hearty amen Jesus is Lord Jesus is Lord. Father, I pray that you would help us to discern the deeper invitation that you're extending to our lives in this season, this next season of the church that's starting to emerge. I pray, Lord, that we would just have a greater awareness, a deeper awareness of your presence as a way of life, that we would see the grace of God on personal conversations, and we would not just race past those, but we'll pause and explore that, participate with whatever it is, Lord, that you're wanting to bring in a moment of encouragement. And we give you thanks, Lord. We just want to make ourselves available to all you're desiring to do. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use us. So have your way, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. You know, your song is significant. So when we worship, it's more than just singing these words on the screen. But I want to ask you, engage your heart. Part of our congregational assignment that we have figured out is we want to take what God stirs in our heart 
And then we want to just respond to him in worship for a few moments before we're commissioned out and, uh, and close. So just open your heart wide. And come on, let's press in. Let's worship the Lord before we're dismissed from this place today.